Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, our podcast about diversity. And um, I particularly wanted to speak with you because I know it's something you've been focused on for a while now um, and you've taken some concrete actions to diversify your team. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed watching that journey. So I guess the, the first question that I know my listeners would be keen to know about is um, what that journey was. You know, how, yeah. what, what engaged you in this process? Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, second of all, I certainly can't say that I'm perfect. Um, you know, you've, you've probably built me up and bigged me up and said, you know, you've taken concrete action and you've diversified your team. And look, we've done some things um, that have worked. But I certainly couldn't say that it's job done because I think this is an ongoing, never-ending process. So yeah. um, I wanted to give that as a precursor to any answer, really, that I might give. Also, at some point during this podcast interview, I'm probably going to say something that's not quite as it should be. I'm human, <laughs> but I'm doing my best, all right? Um, yeah, but here's the thing, Nick, like, you know, we work with so many organizations that are trying to become more diverse and equitable and inclusive. And for me, there's something unique in the approach you've taken, which is why I'd, I'm not bigging you up, is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. I think I, I genuinely believe that, um, you know, you've taken an authentic approach to having an inclusive culture at work. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And so, yeah, well, I mean, what, what was the journey, I suppose, probably um, will start to give some insight as to, um, you know, like explaining what the journey was will give some insight as to some of the action we've taken. So um, the journey, I suppose, um, the start point, and, you know, I've been building teams for a number of years, had a few different companies. We've had uh, the, the team we have currently is the biggest team we've ever had. We've got 25 people. Um, previously, you know, I'd had teams that had grown to maybe 18, 20. And, and there was no, there was no uh, deliberate intentional strategy to create a diverse team, to create diversity and inclusion at all. There wasn't, uh, you know, I, I probably thought what I suspect a lot of people People think, which is, I don't have any focus on anybody's ethnic background, sexual preference. Like it's not important to me when I'm hiring. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was the right way to go. I thought that if you don't factor that into your thinking, then that is creating, you know equity it's creating equity it's creating an equal playing ground for everyone yeah i was very naive um, yeah what ma many organizations call a meritocracy right exactly and, I, and I, I used that word i was like look it's meritocracy irrelevant of anybody's ethnic background sexual orientation all the other things to consider like it's the highs are made on merit so i thought i was doing the right thing so for many many years um Fast forward to 
I'm guessing probably summer 2020, right? Um, and, you know, I have, I wouldn't say a significant social media presence, but, you know, I have a social media presence and um, I create content and give my thoughts and opinions on yeah. business and how best to market and sell and build your team and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and kind of summer 2020, um, of course, as many people will remember, the kind of Black Lives Matter movement really yeah. started to um, explode and, and, you know, there was a lot of, information being published, a lot of attention being put onto this subject. Mm. And um, I found myself as somebody who creates content and speaks on social media on various different issues relating to business. Yeah. I found myself not saying anything mm. and it felt uncomfortable but I started to ask myself, why, why am I not saying anything? Why am I, why do I commentate on, all different things related to business, but this subject I'm staying clear of. Why is that? Mm. Um, and so what I decided to do um, was I decided to start asking questions and interviewing people who were more informed on this subject than me. And so I put together a little, you probably call it, a, a, I guess, a kind of panel, if you want, of people that I know well that know me that certainly won't judge me for asking certain questions they know who i am and what i, what I believe and what i'm about and i basically just called up a few people that i knew um people who are business colleagues friends people that i've you know worked with over the years ex-employees um, and, and i just basically said hey like i feel nervous about saying anything about this right and the reason i feel nervous is i don't want to get it wrong I don't want to say something that's going to cause offense. And therefore I'm going to get slammed, embarrassed. You know, I'm going to get a load of hate online um, for being the privileged white dude that didn't, that said the wrong thing, you know, so I just didn't say anything. So, so the first stage of the journey was the learning I got from those conversations mm. and the learning I got from those conversations was, that's the problem in lots of cases. You know, you've, of course, you've got people at one extreme who are just hardline racist, that's unacceptable. You've got people on the other end of the scale. But actually, the majority of people, mm. like you've got people that campaign, uh, like that are racist, you've got people that campaign for, you know, to try and create more awareness. Then you've got, I think it's probably 80% of the people in the middle, like me, just don't want to talk because they don't want to get it wrong. And so that, that realisation was it. It, it was, I got to say, it was, it was really, really hard for me to get my head around because I thought I'd been doing the right thing for so many years. Yeah. Um, and so, so what happened was I actually asked a number of the people that I've been speaking to, to form a, a panel. Um, and we actually did a zoom call like the one we're doing here with maybe five or six of us. Yeah. And I just interviewed them yeah. and um, I broadcasted it on um, Facebook live. I also recorded it and put it on my podcast. Um, and the, the response was amazing because, uh, and you know, I probably haven't changed my position that much since then. I, I just basically said, look, I, I don't really know much about this, but as part of my education, what I, do, what I am blessed to be able to do is I, I have an audience of people who listen to what yeah. I say. So I'm like, Hey, 
don't listen to me on this subject. Listen to these people sure. who have been there that have experienced this. That have so that was really, really. It was great for me to learn and also great for me to share that message. And I am getting to how we then created a more, more diverse workforce. Was one thing that really came out of that that I realised mm-hmm. was that I'd never deliberately, intentionally focused on the diversity in our team. And and but what I realised is that there was, um, and this is where my knowledge of the terminology is probably not what it could be, that there was some unconscious bias that was at play. For example, go to our team section on our website. And, you know, by the way, the the hardest thing for me was that even though I'd never deliberately created this, we had a 100% white workforce at that point in time. Now, that doesn't mean that we hadn't had people from different ethnic backgrounds previously, but at that point, 100% white workforce. And so um, I was like, you go to our website, you see 100% white workforce. If you're a person of color, you're probably going to look at that and go, "Mm, maybe that's not the kind of person I want to work. So instantly, we're probably going to less applications from people of color for our positions that are open. Um, Same thing in like our... um, uh, in our brochures, for example, um, we'd not deliberately intentionally done this, but we also hadn't deliberately intentionally championed diversity. Um, a, lot, a lot of things as well, you know, with speaker lineups on our stages, we run live conferences, events, as you know, Ishreen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had never really been a deliberate focus for me up until that point. Um, and you know what? The, the funny thing is, like, I couldn't give you a, here are the, Here's the eight-step plan that we implemented. It wasn't that straightforward. Yeah. It was really, we're going to start focusing and having an intention on this. That was really as much as it was. And then there were certain things we did as a result of that. So yeah. you know, I don't know how well that explains it. Um, but what I can tell you um, is that currently, um, as we sit here today, 25% of our workforce are um, people of colour, people from other ethnic backgrounds, yeah. Yeah. which which I think is progress. From zero to 25 percent is absolutely progress. Right. And um, so for for our audience, Nick is my coach and Nick runs a very successful business called Expert Empire. So I've been uh, involved with and met the people who've joined the organization and I've had conversations with them. And Nick, what I what I find is how you've created an environment in which they're genuinely happy they genuinely feel that they can contribute and they feel appreciated and valued in your organization. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, and look, you know, like it would be, it, it would probably be uh, making it sound like better than it is to go, everybody is completely happy and they're never going to leave. No. Like that's not reality. It's not real, right? But yeah. equally, you know, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, I appreciate your um, your comment and your observation. And I think, you know, generally speaking, we've got a great culture and um, a group of people that love coming to work every day. Um, yeah. But that doesn't happen by accident. That That's a lot of mm. consistent action and, you know, having a framework that we, that we um, operate from day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. So, Nick, we've got a lot of um, people in big organizations, in, in corporates, who are looking at how to make this happen. What are the top three things in your framework that you think they could learn from and maybe experiment with? Um, so is this related to diversity and inclusion specifically or broadly yeah. creating a yeah. company? Yeah. So, so first of all, if you've got a large organization, 
you have my deepest sympathies because it's going to be a lot harder. Like, you know, I was fortunate that I looked at my team of in, you know, mid 2020, we we're probably, you know, what, 18 people, something like that. And I go, it's not that hard. Yeah. I'm not saying it was easy, but it's not that hard to get to 25%, um, you know, yeah. people from um, other ethnic backgrounds, people of colour yeah. in your workforce because you've only got a small team, right? Yeah. Um, whereas to make that kind of impact on a team of 1,000 people or 20,000 yeah. people is really difficult. Yeah. Um, but, so but you have you know, my... Yeah, I got it. I got it. But, you know, the thing is, what we're finding works really well are little experiments. Yeah. And those little experiments can be run most effectively in smaller organizations. So I think our listeners can really benefit from the things you've done because they can take them on as little experiments. Yeah. So, so look, I think the first thing I'm probably going to lack in specifics here because there isn't really much specifics, but um, the, the first thing was the intention, like the intention that I shared with the leaders in our business initially was right now, we have a hundred percent white workforce and that feels wrong. And I'm embarrassed to lead that. So the intention is that we're going to start moving the needle and create a more diverse workforce. That, that was the first thing and getting all the leaders in the business to buy into that idea, that philosophy. Yeah. Um, and of course, initially, uh, not all, but some of the people in the team, their position was what mine had been a few months previous. Yeah. Well, it's a meritocracy. We hire the best people for the best role. That's not, that's never been a consideration. And so I had to kind of like coach them in the same way that I'd been coached to see that, you know, it's not like we were, we'd done anything wrong per se. We just, we just weren't aware. Mm. Um, so that was the first thing it's, it's setting the intention and getting the leaders in the business to, to understand why that intention has been set and to buy into it. By the way, this is the same when you're trying to initiate any kind of initiative sure. Sure. is, you know, from, from, you know, the leader of the business in that case, me as the CEO, like I can't just tell them here's what we're doing, like it or not. I have to help them understand. I have to hear their concerns yeah. so they can all buy into that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that, that was the first thing. Um, the, the the second thing then, um, I suppose that was the first and most important part because then everything else almost happened as a knock-on effect, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we were consciously, deliberately um, seeking members of our team that would create more diversity in the team. Um, by the way, I, I'm not an expert on HR and law and, and all that kind of stuff. All I'll say is I think I'd like to think that we did um, – the right thing and did the best thing we possibly could um, by everyone. And look, the fact is um, when somebody walked into our office who um, is from a different ethnic background or is a person of color, we're like, right. Okay. Like we'd like all things being equal. We'd like this person to join the team, providing of course, that they've got the skills and the qualifications and, and we think they're a good fit. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, we would like to give that person the chance. Um, and i say what's interesting, Ishreen, even as I'm talking about this now, and we're a few years down the line, I can feel myself getting uncomfortable with this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I want to share that is because I know there's so many people like me that avoid this conversation because it's uncomfortable. Like literally I can feel I'm getting physically, like my body's getting warm because I'm feeling yeah. pressure that I might say the wrong thing. Oh, I'm, I'm sharing so that because... That's- 
that's not what I want for you. But no, no, but I'm I'm sharing it because I want people to know that it's normal. Yeah. And uh, look, the fact is this, like any, and by the way, you know, CEO of a group of companies, I have to have a lot of difficult conversations that make me feel this way. Sure. And what I've learned is to be more comfortable having the difficult conversations. But what I'm sharing is this is a difficult conversation and that's okay. Yes. That it's a difficult conversation. Yes. You know, and, and look, let's face it, as a white man, I'm probably going to feel uncomfortable having this conversation because I don't have a lot of the experiences that you, Ishreen, or many other yeah. people have grown up with, have learned from. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. So number one is to state the intention number two is to get your team really to um kick the tires on your intention and align with it and no, number three was visible number three was visibility number three was visibility because because actually um the, there were things that like for example our brochure for our mastermind program which of course you've seen um we, we hadn't consciously deliberately um chosen who to put in the mastermind brochure as kind of client profiles and stuff. We just made a conscious decision. We were like, we need to make sure that within this brochure, that like, and by the way, male, female, well-represented, um, people from different ethnic backgrounds, people of color, well-represented. We were like, we want to make sure that this is a real well-rounded um, and even things like that, just the, the things in your business that are visible, trying to deliberately and consciously give. And actually, a, a lot of the time, again, it hadn't been done deliberately, but it actually didn't give a real impression of who we are and what the environment's like. Okay. It was, um, you know, when we made some of these changes, we already had a more diverse team, but we just hadn't updated stuff. And it was like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I don't think it's a coincidence that, um, you know, once we brought in a couple of team members um, from different ethnic backgrounds, that then more people then joined from different ethnic backgrounds. And I think that will continue because it won't feel like, oh, I'm kind of the only person here that looks like me. And so I'm like the odd person out or, I'm, or you know, I, I, what I learned from these people that I had these conversations with was that actually, you know, often what you see as in, you know, if you're looking at a company, it's not necessarily true, no. but it's the opinion. It's like you look at it and you go, oh, the, is there like some, like they, they might believe that within our company there is actually, you know, a problem, a systemic racism problem. Yeah. It, it never was and isn't, yeah. but like if you see a whole white workforce, then you'd be Completely. excused for maybe making that assumption. Yeah. Um, so I think the third thing was visibility. Yeah, no, got it. Thank you. So, Nick, you know that we believe that at the skinny edges of why there's no movement or very little movement around diversity, equity and inclusion is that privilege is not talked about and privilege is not managed and stewarded in a way that unlocks everything else. OK, so I'm really interested in your view of how privilege and privilege risk had prevented you from acting sooner yeah well i think the easiest answer is that it was just um quite frankly i was naive and unaware mm. that was it like, I, I just that was I, it i wasn't right? aware of my own privilege really it's like yeah you go yeah i'm a white guy yeah i understood the concept but i didn't sure. really think about it deeply um and i don't know if this is a, a question you were going to ask anyway mm. um the conversations that I had in 
summer 2020 um, with some amazing people. There was there was there were two in particular that really stood out for me. Mm. One, um, a guy who um, runs a business in the same industry as us. Um, he actually teaches people how to um, people of color how to become financially free through investing in property. That's his right. business. Um, and, and the thing that really, um, the thing that really stuck with me, um, we had a long conversation, a couple of hours probably. And he asked me a question. Mm. He said, Nick, how many times have you been stopped by the police? Mm. And I let, I, let, I went, ever mm. three. And he was like, I stopped counting at 30 times before I was even 20 years of age. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that right there is like, that shocked me yeah. to know. It's, and, and again, I don't know if that would be true for, for all people of color, you know, mm. this is a black guy, um, you know, uh, like I'm going, there's no way in the world that's even so far. It, it's so far apart. Um, and that I was shocked because I didn't know that that to that degree that that existed. Um, I was really shocked. Um, so we need to increase awareness of that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that was you know, and, and by the way, I think that's one conversation I had with one guy, and but it really, really affected me deeply because because we're similar age as well, similar. You know, we both run businesses. He's a very successful guy. Like I'm going. We're not that different, but yeah. our lives in that one respect have been completely different. Mm. And, and that's weird. Yeah, that's that. And I think that's the unconscious bias. It's the, um, yeah, it's, it's the unawareness of, yeah. of privilege, I think. Yeah. So that's cool. So this, this podcast series is exactly about erupting privilege. So I'm hoping that that's making a difference. You know, um, yeah. well, and, and actually, I hope I hope that really the only reason um, I talk about this stuff now, you know, with people like you, Shreen, uh, that host this podcast, and and that I put an episode like this where I interviewed people on my podcast is I want people like me to feel more comfortable having this conversation. Great, and, and to have everybody still know that I'm still not 100 percent comfortable having this conversation. Sure, sure. Um, so now I'm wondering, I get June 2020, everybody was talking about it and there was a, there was a buzz and, and you started exploring it from the point of view of almost a social commentary. Um, but what was it that actually motivated you to make the change? The change in the business or to start talking about this? change in the business because talking about this i think a lot of people do but you went beyond talking to making concrete change what was it that motivated you to make that concrete change yeah and, and by the way I, I think in order to be fully transparent like it's not like that was a light switch it wasn't like we went from june 2020 right now we're in massive action it's been a yeah. gradual process over time but um and actually the first thing as i shared before the first thing I did before commentary was nothing. Yeah. Um, and then as I had conversations, I was like, well, actually that's part of the problem. So I'm going to start doing something and talking about it. Um, the other reason I didn't talk about it, this might be helpful for, for somebody listening to this or watching this. Um, the other thing I realized was that actually 
I was scared or concerned of talking about it and then people accusing me of jumping on the bandwagon, you know, piggybacking on the back yeah. of, um, you know, the fact that there was so much um, so much discussion about this stuff online. So, so there was loads of reasons why I'd avoided the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. and, but again, you know, sat, what I learned was to say that rather than like talk about the thing yeah. and, and leave out the, what was going on for me behind the scenes. I was like, Hey, I, like, I've been worried about saying, saying anything because I don't want people to think I'm only saying it mm-hmm. for, for personal gains, get more, more followers on Facebook or any of those things. You know, I was like, that's a big concern. Hey, real quick, if you've been listening to the Empire Builders podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I do not run ads on this podcast. And what you should also know about me is that I only partner with companies who I absolutely 100% believe in. And so I'm making an exception because of my partnership and my loyalty to Keep. So since 2010, I've been using Keep, which was previously known as Infusionsoft, to automate all the sales and marketing in my business, deliver world-class experience to my clients, run e-commerce reports, manage affiliates, partners, and loads more. I really believe that Keep is the best CRM on the planet for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that are building their empire. Many of my guests on this podcast use it, and pretty much all of my closest friends in the industry also use it. That should speak volumes. So uh, Infusionsoft recently rebranded to keep k-e-a-p and what they've also done is brilliantly made it even more affordable even more usable for businesses that are at different stages of their journey so go and get a free demo all you need to do is go to keep.com that's k-e-a-p keep.com forward slash empire builders and by using that link i've negotiated the best possible deal for Empire Builders subscribers. So go to keep.com forward slash Empire Builders. You get a free demo. And when you go through that unique link, it means you'll get the best possible deal because you're a subscriber of this podcast. So let's get back to the show. So what thoughts had you had about diversity or even about privilege in your organization prior to June 2020? Yeah, I think I... The, the word meritocracy, you already said it, was big for me. Like, that's how I always positioned, like, how we operate in our business. Um, and, you know, I, I, my thoughts were that by, you know, um, advertising roles and bringing the, you know, looking through CVs and um, interviewing the best people for the job, um, that we were doing the right thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's really interesting, isn't it? We're working with a client at the moment and they've got a diversity committee and and all of this. And they they haven't got any people of colour in that diversity committee. And they're like, but we put it in our newsletters and we invite people to join us. And like, they just don't get that, especially if you're from an underrepresented group, you're not going to read something in a newsletter and come forward. 
Yeah. And part of your meritocracy argument, I think, is is that right? It's like we think if we just advertise it, people will come. You need yeah. to do more, right? Thank you. Yeah, I think so. And and one of the people, you know, I said I spoke to a group of people. Mm. Um, one of those people was a client of ours, mm. and I, I just straight out asked. I was like, "Have you ever felt as a client yeah. that?" anybody in my team or the you know the culture that you've been around our client base mm. have you ever felt you know that the color of your skin was um ca caused you to be treated differently in any way and he was like absolutely not like he was like this you know I, I feel absolutely it's all great um and and again he's a young guy um probably has a different perspective than yeah. some of the some of the other people i had on the panel yeah. um anyway the reason i'm sharing this He's now one of our coaches. So he's now joined our team. He's one of our team. And, and I go, I don't know. I can't prove that us having that conversation in June 2020 led him to join our company. Mm -hmm. But one thing I do know is it has to be a factor at some level because it caught, that was probably sure. a conversation that brought us closer together and therefore, yeah. you know, got, got us to where we are now. So, But, you know, Nick, as a person of colour... I find that a really difficult question to answer. Yeah. I find that a really difficult question to answer because I don't know whether that's how you normally are or whether there's something in my programming, my you know, upbringing that makes it an issue for me. Yeah. Well, the thing is, when I look back, it was actually a terrible question because that I asked him because... I go, it's probably like the reason I asked the question probably was because I wanted somebody to tell me that I was doing okay. Yeah. That was really the reason behind the question. It was a selfish question. Um, and actually, you know, um, you know, this guy, young guy, client of ours, looks up to me, respects me. Like, it would have been very difficult. He, I'm not saying he did feel uncomfortable, but like it would have been quite difficult for him to mm -hmm. speak up and say that in that environment. Yeah. So like I said, I was probably, if I'm being really honest, I was probably searching for validation mm -hmm. um, in that question rather than actually trying to get, you know, feedback sure. or an answer. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, as you say, Ashreen, what's, what's interesting is, um, and this is relevant for, for everybody, like we're all mm -hmm. filtering our experience yeah. today yeah. through... How, you know, however many years of your life that you've been living in the body you've been living in. So, exactly. um, you know, I think everyone has, everyone has different experiences of the same experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Different perspectives of, a, of the same. Yeah. And I, I think that's what we need to all learn yeah. um, in order to, to have a more equitable environment. So Nick, you know, we work with our clients on their privilege conundrum and we're doing a lot of research into the impact of privilege in the workplace and how that prevents equity and inclusion. So, Nick, what was your privilege conundrum? I'm not sure what you mean by that question. So privilege conundrum is what gets in the way. OK. Of yeah, so, the, so from a whole organisation level. Yeah, I think... The conundrum probably was and still is for me a bit. Um, we've got in our team like a very, um, like most of the team are really friends. They're really good friends. They, you know, they hang out socially. Mm. Um, it, it's a very laid back 
working environment mm. but it's certainly not what you'd call a professional working environment whatever that means mm. um you know it's not a traditional corporate environment mm. and i think the conundrum for me is how do we put policy and structure in place while still mm. creating that environment where you can be yourself and have fun and you know I don't, I don't want to create an environment where people are scared to say the wrong thing yeah um but equally you know i uh, i don't want an environment whereby we don't have any you know intention or focus on this yeah. subject because it's really yeah. important that's that's probably not I get what it. was my conundrum it is still my conundrum sure, I guess. it's an ongoing conundrum isn't it yeah. it's such a fine balance yeah yeah and then how did you cause a privileged eruption in your organization yeah i, th- I think um mm-hmm. it, it probably started i mean it's a great word um and of course it's what your podcast issue is all about exactly. I, I'm, I'm not sure we've succeeded in that just yet um but i think you know the the it as and I'm talking now to the the CEO or the um, owner or the managing director or the leader of any business or any organisation. Mm. Like, it has to start with you. Yeah. It has to. Um, it, you, you can't... This is where I think I, I, I definitely um, sympathise with people that are in an organisation mm. that really like let's see how important this topic is and really want to um, create change from within. Mm. But the fact is if the MD, the CEO, the owner of the business, whoever it is, is not on board, it's going to feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall. And so um, I think for me, how I did it was um, I went first and embraced the uncomfortable conversation and even went public with it. It was one of those where – Aside from our team, um, in April 2021, we ran an event. I think, Ishreen, you might have attended. It was a virtual event. Yes. Um, and and that, that was the first time. So this is probably like nine months after, you know, my initial kind of breakthrough on this. Yeah. Um, we ran an event and I made a, a point, like a very public point of saying there are, and again, people that watch this, listen to this might not know the kind of business events industry as such. Um, But I made a point of saying, look, there are too many events that are packed full of speakers who are white men. Yeah. And like I'm championing diversity. I'm championing a, a, a place where people get opportunity regardless of background, ethnic origin, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, we, we really went to town on that lineup being, um, you know, uh, it was actually over 50% female, which is unheard of in our industry, by the way, completely unheard of. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, we, I, I made sure that there was, um, I, I don't remember the exact number of speakers, but there was certainly, um, you know, a very decent proportion um, of people of colour on the, on the stage as well. And um, what's great about that, and has also made my life incredibly difficult at times since yes. is I can't take that back now. Nope. So, so it's like, I couldn't, uh, then the next event comes round and I'm like, yeah. I now I'm under pressure yeah. 
that I now have to keep doing what I said. I was basically, and the the reason I was a bit nervous about making that point was people would accuse me of only making it for personal gain. It's like, well, you're only doing that because you want to get credit and then people want to come to your events. Um, And I shared that that was a concern as well, as I said before. Just to round off this part of the conversation, it would be lovely if you could again summarise what you say is the source of your success. Um, I think the honestly the biggest source of my success, and I haven't mentioned it yet, is the willingness to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, in that I was and am willing to hold my hands up and say, like, I don't have all the answers. Um, and I'm also willing to ask for help. Yeah. Um, and I'm also willing to um, accept that I might have made some mistakes previously, even though they weren't deliberate. I still hold my hands up and say, you know, yeah, this was a mistake. That's courage, isn't it? That's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably the number one thing that, that has you. allowed me to have, to make some progress in this area. It's brilliant. I think you've given some really useful input to our listeners nick so thank you um and as you may know we end all our podcasts with these five quick fire questions that we ask all our guests to answer so if you're ready i'd like to get into that do it okay so what privilege story has impacted you the most yeah i, th- I think it, well it has to be i don't even call this a privilege story um but i think the the story that my friend shared with me um of you know how many times you've been stopped by the police? Three ever. How many times you've been stopped by the police? Well, I stopped counting when it was like 30 before the age of 20. I'm like that, that just, it, it was a real big like lesson for me and, and a shock actually. Sure. No, good. What's the latest book you're reading that's inspired you? What's the latest book I'm reading on any subject? Any subject? Um, What's the one I, I, I get through? I don't really, by the way, um, this is a controversial point. I don't read books, but I listen to a lot of audio books. Um, the, the last one that I listened to, it's actually a marketing book for those that are interested in this subject. It's called a hundred million dollar offers by Alex Hormozy. Okay. Very good. Very good. And I've got a list of um, what's next on my list. I also listen to a lot of podcasts. So sometimes I'm in audiobook mode. Sometimes I'm in podcast mode. I downloaded an audiobook recently. Oh, yeah. Um, that was the one that I recently finished. Building a Story Brand. That's sort of the marketing one. Oh, that's a great book, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. really love that. All right. So what's your favorite indulgence? That's a broad question. Like anything? Anything. So long as um, it's clean. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep it clean. <laughs> Family show, right? Um favorite indulgence i think probably um would you call this an indulgence like me and my wife pretty much every night we'll sit and watch tv for like an hour mm-hmm. and we normally got a netflix show or something on the go yeah. and the show that we're on at the moment which is brilliant for learning about diversity and inclusion uh-huh. is this is us okay and it's on Amazon Prime. It is brilliant. It's, it's brilliant for understanding, I think, people from all walks of life, mm-hmm. people with all different challenges. Um, 
but and this isn't a spoiler, I don't think. Um, it's centered around a family that has uh, it's a white family. They have triplets, and then they adopt a black baby. And so the ho- like, there's a lot of points in that story, a lot of points in that show. We haven't finished it yet. Um, a lot of points in that story and in that show where you see little glimpses of what it's like um, for me, you know, as a white guy, or or you can see what it's like for somebody who's a person of colour that's grown up in a different world to what I am. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that show. Oh, that's a great recommendation. This Is Us, right? Yeah, yeah, really this good. Have you, have you watched it? I haven't yet, but I'm going to. It's now on my top of my list. This is my, my pitch for This Is Us. Watch the first episode. If you don't think it's one of the best shows you've ever seen, don't watch anymore. Okay. But it's incredible. And actually, some people I've spoken to about it didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you've got a family, even if they're growing up, but if you've got a family, it'll like you'll love it. It's brilliant. Brilliant. No, I'm definitely going to watch that maybe tonight. Um, so, who has inspired you most to do what you do? <sighs> um, I'd have to say, my mum. I'd have to. And of course, Ishreen, you know my mum. Oh, I know. I love your mum. You know, she she uh, uh, took me along to a Tony Robbins seminar when I was 12 years of age. Um, and, you know, not, not many kids get that opportunity. Um, she also um, inspired me when she left her corporate career to start her own business as a coach. Um, and, you know, I think I would not have learned the things I've learned, become the person I've become, if it wasn't for her and for the opportunities that she created for me and gifted me when I was young. Yeah. We all know so much to our mums, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And my final question, if you had unlimited resources to put together the ultimate resource for ensuring an equitable organisation, what would that be? If I had unlimited resources. Mm, to put together to the ultimate resource for ensuring an equitable organisation? What would that be? Well, I, th- I think the, re- the resource for creating an equitable organisation that- that's most valuable, I think, is consistent training and education and, um, and awareness. Mm-hmm. It's not a one and done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the, that's the danger. Um, that's the the mistake a lot of organizations can make. And, and by the way, I, I still feel like we're certainly uh, uh, at some, in some ways at risk of this mm. is like, you've got to make sure that it's a constant focus. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't say that it's a constant focus for us. Uh, you know, I think we've got good intent and, and we've taken some good action, but I think you've got to have constant focus. So um, by the way, uh, when you asked the question, here was my immediate thought um, because it wasn't about, creating a, a resource for an organization it yeah. was about creating a resource to create a um privilege eruption worldwide exactly. um would would be um having more information on this subject stories on this subject um published in the places where people pay attention i.e netflix i.e facebook instagram places like that um yeah just more more and i think people learn best through stories i don't think people learn best through being lectured i think stories are the way absolutely absolutely and nick thank you for adding to our story base around you're welcome it's been a real pleasure 
speaking with you and thank you again for the contribution you're making to our listeners. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And um, well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to learn because even by having this conversation with you, I'm, I'm learning and, and um, it's causing me to consistently review and analyse what we're doing and what we can do even better. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.